Roll humps to all my fighting camels worldwide. I'm your quarterback, Hodge Malik Williams, and you're listening to the Orange and Black Podcast. What's up, everyone? We're back with another edition of the Orange and Black Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Kicking Camel Grill, located at 174 North McKinley Street in downtown Coach, right up the road from campus. You can come over to the Kicking Camel Grill to enjoy their award-winning wings and burgers before or after any Camel home game. Today, we are joined by Kevin Marshall of FCS Nation Radio. Kevin, I hope you had a great weekend watching college football. How you doing, man? It's my favorite time of the year, Andrew. You know, it... Uh... Uh, the next thing we all know, we'll be making a trip to Frisco. This part of the year flies by. The offseason seems to go like sands through the hourglass, takes forever. But this 22 weeks of FCS football, you know, it, uh, well, when we have shows anyway, just flies by and it'll be Christmas, it'll be Frisco time, and then we'll all be lamenting that the season's over and ready to do it again. So thanks for having me. I really appreciate you having me on today. Yeah, thanks for jumping on. I know that you are very plugged in to FCS football as a whole, and you are definitely plugged into the Citadel Bulldogs. Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your background with the Citadel. I grew up in Charleston. Dad went to the Citadel. You know, we we go to all the games when I was growing up. It was just something that we did. Uh, you know, road games were always fun. You know, I had some really big victories in the Charlie Taff era. You know, there was a time where in the SOCON, you might be the fifth place team in the SOCON, but that might have meant you're the 12th best 1AA team in the country at that time. You know, it was just an unbelievable league. It's getting back there. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be a very interesting season in the SOCON. You know, Mercer needs to take that next step forward to be a playoff team. They're a lot like Campbell is, I think. A lot of talent. Facilities are there. Leadership is there. They just need something to bring it all together. And when it does happen, I think when Campbell or Mercer wins their league, gets to the playoffs, it'll start a string where that happens every year. I think that is on the horizon for Campbell. It's coming. Yeah, Campbell and Mercer are very similar in a lot of aspects, um, just based on school size, facility-wise. I mean, even down to the colors, uh, very similar um, and just a great uh, background for both those programs. You talked about the SOCON and all the conference realignment. We touched on it before we hopped on. The CAA is up to 14 teams now, but the SOCON is still a little more nitty gritty, grinded out. Uh, You don't have um, that big league where you see in the CAA where you might not even play a team, but once every three years with how big the league is. Um, But the Citadel has to grind that out every single week let's talk about the citadel and their offense uh, a new look offense but still uh running out of that triple option attack but kind of a different tweak on it this year for the bulldogs yes we have to do it out of the shotgun and there's going to be growing pains there were growing pains saturday against georgia southern and the quarterback play is going to be key and uh, the transfer that they brought in as a grad transfer which is the only type of transfers the citadel can take We have a graduate school. Now, you can transfer in as a freshman if you want to and go through the military aspect, but 
if you transfer in a, as a sophomore academically, you're going to go through the freshman year there. There's no getting around that. If you're going to wear Citadel on the front of your shirt and you're going to be an undergrad, you're going to be a knob. That's just the way it is. Um, growing pains, there is some talent there. It's just, you know, first game, you know, FBS opponent, even though probably not a really particularly great FBS opponent in Georgia Southern. Uh, it wasn't like they went and played Bama again, right? So um, needed to see some things and didn't really see them, but they were able to, to kind of slow the game down a little bit. They had an 11-play drive where they turned the ball over. Uh, you know, some good things, but need to be able to have the RPO be a little bit of a part of the offense just to keep the very speedy secondary guys and linebackers from peeking in back there in the backfield. Now, when you go from the under center triple where it's just a, we don't care, you know it's coming, and we think we're tougher than you, and we think we can just beat you up front and whip you, which is what the Citadel's done for 20 years, to having to do it another way, the angles aren't the same, it's just much more difficult than being able to just try to get four yards of play, do that three times in a row, keep the chains moving, and then do it again, and again, and again, and again. But I think one of the things that is kind of helpful is that they are going to run the football. Siddle's going to run the football. That's just, what, that's just what they do, is the fact that the clock doesn't stop anymore. So that is something that works in their advantage. You know, an 11-play drive could take 10 minutes now. Right. You know, and in the past, that would be an eight minute drive or a seven and a half minute drive. So the offense wide receivers are pretty good. Uh, quarterback, perhaps we'll see uh, the transfer from northern Illinois this week. He was a little banged up last week. Uh, quarterback position is going to be key. Offensive line is pretty good. Uh, and for a first game, they had no uh, dead ball uh, penalties. No uh, false starts, no delay of games. You would expect that from the Citadel. They're going to be pretty disciplined. You know, it's just ingrained in how that school is. So I'm interested to see what they can do against another FCS line versus, you know, the team from the next level up, who obviously Georgia Southern with 85 scholarships was able to play three guys and the Citadel was still, was still playing the first guy. That's just how it is and. FCS football. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens down there in Charleston at Johnson Higgins Stadium on Saturday. Yeah, you talk about that offense and running out of the shotgun, especially when you're running the option. That can be a little bit of change, but honestly, maybe a little easier for the defense when you're running the option out of the shotgun. Because, you know, when you have that fullback tucked right behind the quarterback, it can be a little easier to kind of uh, as an offense to disguise who's getting the football, whereas when you're battling the shotgun, um, it can be a little easier. But maybe the Citadel can incorporate a little bit more of a passing game now out of the shotgun. But as you said, that takes some time, and it's hard to get a lot of stuff going when you open up at an FBS opponent uh, like Georgia Southern. Let's talk about the defense a little bit and what you see on that side of the ball for the Bulldogs. Defense was pretty good. Uh, it's hard to say that when you give up 34 points, right? But the offense just didn't help them at all you know uh, didn't sustain a lot of drives except for a couple um, that has been always been the thing at Citadel is you have to play complementary football between both sides of the ball uh, 
Defensive backfield's pretty good. Dominic Poole is as good of a cornerback as you're going to see in FCS football. Hassan Black, very good player. Uh, Brian Horn, very good player. Uh, there's some dudes on the defensive side of the ball for the Citadel, and they're going to get after you. You know, that's something that uh, even y'all saw last year was that, you know, of course, the horrible injury to Wilson Hendricks last year at Campbell, you know, kind of put a somber feeling on that entire defense for the rest of the football game. But in Charleston, in front of the Corps of Cadets, in front of what they're hoping is, you know, 10, 11,000 uh, on Saturday, that'll be a different experience than what Campbell saw last year on, at their home field. The Citadel's 10, 12 points better in Charleston than they are anywhere else. And that's just a fact. The Corps of Cadets is such a big part of, of the football game. And I hope that there'll be some Campbell people who will make the trip. Uh, you know, there's really only four or five uh, game days in America that are completely uh, different than everybody else's. You know, most everybody runs out of an inflatable thing in the end zone, right? At the Citadel, you run through the block, see a freshman. The Corps will march from the campus to the stadium. Get there early. Uh, see a few things. Uh, it is a unique environment in college football and one that they're very proud of down there. Uh, tailgating will be good. Uh, it's Charleston who doesn't want to go there, right? So um, if you haven't made your plans, there should be some tickets left. Drive down to Charleston. You'll have a very good time. Yep, it's a very easy drive from Bowie's Creek and the surrounding areas. So Charleston, like you mentioned, is a beautiful city. The Citadel, uh, it's going to be an awesome atmosphere down there. I have been down there when uh, Campbell played in a basketball tournament a couple years ago. Back when I was in school, I was a basketball manager. Uh, you know, we stayed right on the river. It was beautiful. And just being able to take in the campus there is awesome. And I can only imagine how great it is to be able to attend a football game there. And it sounds like it's going to be an awesome environment on Saturday when the game kicks off at 3 p.m. Let's talk about a player to watch on each side of the ball. We can start on the offense. Tyler Cherry, wide receiver. He's a difference maker. Um, if they can get him the ball. And that was the problem last week. They just couldn't get him the ball. So I would expect that Coach Drayton and that bunch will do some things to get him the ball, even if it's not throwing it to him. Reverse you know, line him up different places. He can, he can really motor and he's got great hands. And on the defensive side of the ball, again, Dominic Poole, the fine cornerback. Uh, he'll probably be an All-America this year, probably, on some of the teams anyway. Uh, he also was, uh, returned punts. Um, he had a nice return against you all last year, if I recall. Uh, those two guys. Um, and the big thing for Citadel is going to be line play on both sides of the ball. If your quarterback can sit back there and pick them apart, it could be a long day for the dogs. If they can get some pressure, uh, look, Hodge Malik Williams made one of the best plays I've ever seen against the Citadel last year, where they had him like at least three times, and he carried the ball all the way to the sideline and found a guy over the top. You can't ask those guys to cover your receivers for six seconds. You just can't do that. And by all rights, that should have been a 25-yard loss on that play. And he's done that to a lot of people in his career at Campbell. So you, got to, you just can't let that guy beat you. you if you're going to uh, play solid defense against Campbell, 
keep him in the pocket. You know, he's an excellent quarterback on the run, on the move, but make him sit back there, read the defense, go go to the third guy, and by the time he gets to the third guy, hope you can punch him in his mouth. That's going to be the key for the Citadel. Can they contain that guy? In the past, it's always been a problem with mobile quarterbacks, and especially with mobile quarterbacks and teams that have good tight ends. I've seen Furman hit the tight end over the middle to the Citadel since I've been five years old. And we know it's coming. It, it, it's just, it, it just, I think this is going to be a very interesting game. It's a, it's a good benchmark for both squads to see, you know, you've played one of the better teams in FCS. The Citadel's played uh, an FBS team. Let's see how, you know, they match up against one another that'll be a better barometer, I think, of where they are as programs right now. Really respect Mike Mentor, uh, the coaching staff there. I know Coach Drayton does too. You know, he was up in the NFL for a while. I'm sure that, you know, those two probably know each other. That's a pretty small uh, fraternity, even though there's, what, a bunch of teams, right? But uh, a pretty small fraternity. Looking forward to it. The chess match should be really good. Uh, Citadel special teams need to be better too. So, they need to play a very good ball game, keep the ball off the ground, don't throw it to Campbell, and try to hang around, see what happens in the fourth quarter. Yep, Campbell fans know all too well that when Hajmalik Williams is feeling it, he is one of the best quarterbacks uh, in the FCS. Uh, the key will be holding on to the football, but it'll be a good matchup on Saturday in Charleston. Talking about the Bulldogs as a whole, what are your predictions for them this season led by their first-year head coach? You know, I've thought about that, and I'm not sure what a successful season is this year. Um, it depends upon how the offense progresses. But being around that, watching them for as long as I have, I know a couple of things will happen this year. They'll drop a couple of games they probably shouldn't. But they'll beat somebody they ought not to as well. You know, somebody you'll look at uh, and say, well, that's a top two or three team in the SOCON. The Citadel will beat one of those teams this year. It happens every year. And that's just the way the SOCON is. You know, everybody knows everybody really, really well. And really the only two wild cards this year are the two military schools with the new head coaches. Uh, Maurice Drayton at El Cid and Danny Rocco at VMI. Uh, Danny Rocco had a lot of success at Delaware, you know, before um, he was out of coaching for, I think, uh, a, a solid season and VMI hired him. So, you know, that for two, two schools where you knew what you were going to get from VMI, which was they were going to throw it 50 times a ball game with the air raid and the Citadel was going to throw it 50 times a season. Uh, it, it's, it's, it, it's interesting to see, you know, how that is going to play out. Um, I'd like to beat Furman and VMI, you know, if, at the Citadel, if you can win those two games, you can get a contract extension, you know, hate Furman, respect VMI, but hate Furman. And, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, I mean, let me ask you, what is a successful season for Campbell this year? First year in the CAA playoffs or bust. That's, that's a, that's difficult. Yeah, I think honestly with this Campbell team and this program, there there is a ceiling at six wins that has been kind of biting the camels in, in the heels uh, ever since Mentor has been uh, at the helm. 
and they just can't seem to get over that hump, no pun intended. Um, but if Campbell can find a way to make that I like happen, what you did there. That, that was nicely done. I, I like what you did there. <laughs> that, that was nice. Yeah, but, you know, if they can get over that threshold, obviously it's, you know, you go from playing, uh, you're talking a couple of years ago, you were in the Pioneer Football League to the Big South, and now you're talking about the CAA. You know, that's a big step up from playing Presbyterian and Valparaiso uh, every week. But we'll see if the Camels can get over that hump. And, you know, the thing with the CAA is there's so many solid teams that you don't necessarily have to win your league to make the playoffs. Um, but I think the Camels need to focus on getting over that six-win total and, and go from there. Well, with the way that the CAA performed in the playoffs last year, I don't think, unless some weird things happen, I don't think we're going to see five teams from that league in the playoffs again this year. It, it was not a good performance by the formerly Colonial Athletic Association, now Coastal Athletic Association, in the playoffs. Um, that was a uh, that was a cold night in Bozeman, Montana, but it was extremely much colder for William and Mary than it was for Montana State that night. And then Montana State had the same thing happen to them the next week in Brookings, South Dakota. So I think, you know, this is a year where because of the conferences coming together, you know, the Big South and OVC and this United Athletic Conference, there are more at-large bids available than there were last year. And we'll see if those are more evenly distributed than they were last year. You know, a seven-win SOCON team ought not to sit at home. It just shouldn't. And that's happened recently. So we'll see. But, you know, the at least in FCS football, you know, we're going into week two. And nobody's out of it yet. You know, I think TCU is probably out of it, don't you? <laughs> you know, and at, at the next level up. I think South Carolina is probably out of it at, at the next level up. You know, we both, uh, Campbell and the Citadel both lost last week, but everything is still out there in front of them. And that's a pretty cool thing. And I think that's one of the reasons why people like FCS football so much is if you can finish strong, but you start slow, you can be rewarded for that strong finish. Whereas at the next level up, you really can't. So I'm really looking forward to it. It's my favorite time of the year. Uh, I know my Grizz buddies who are, who live around me were, you know, asking me, well, who is Butler? And then they found out a lot more about Butler than they ever wanted to know last Saturday, Washington Grizzly Stadium. You know, and I'm looking forward to going to Brookings this Saturday for Montana State and South Dakota State. That's going to be the game of the year, at least so far, right? Um, and I would like to think that some, somewhere down the line, you know, I'd like to see these two schools can uh, continue this series. It's they're too close together geographically to not play. It makes a lot of sense. And, you know, maybe uh, two, three, four years down the line, this can be one of those South Dakota State, Montana State games. I guess hope springs eternal, right, especially in Charleston. Absolutely. And that's what's so great about FCS football is you're still able to have those regional, regional rivalries and everything is still on the table, like you mentioned, for both of these squads as they head into week two this upcoming Saturday in Charleston. Speaking of this game on Saturday, what are your predictions as the Camels travel down to beautiful Charleston, South Carolina? 
normally I would have something witty to try to say or something, but I really just don't know. Uh, there's a lot of unknowns about both of these squads, but Campbell has the more experienced quarterback. And I think that that is probably going to wind up being the difference. Uh, it, it hurts me to say so, but I think Campbell probably wins by three points, a touchdown, something like that. And, but you never know. Uh, if I'm a Campbell fan, I want to come out and try to start quick because the longer you let that bunch in Charleston hang around and uh, uh, that's to your detriment, I promise you. And that stadium with that crowd, um, you know, if you're Campbell, you want to jump up two scores, make it difficult for them to run their offense try to, and try to play catch up. But if it goes the other way, you might not see the ball for a while. So I think whoever gets off to the best start in this ballgame will be the one that comes out on top. The Citadel can have two, you know, 10-play drives for touchdowns and get off the field on third down, and they're up 14 to nothing. That's not a place you want to be in that stadium if you're Campbell. And the other way, if Campbell, you know, if uh, Hosmalik Williams uses that athleticism and runs, you know, two in – or, you know, make some ridiculous plays, uh, keeping the play alive outside the pocket, and they go up two scores, that's a place you don't want to be if you're the Citadel. So I think whoever can start and grab a lead, uh, the Citadel's going to want to slow the game down, I promise you. And Campbell's going to want to go fast and then go faster and then go faster than that. So, you know, but the Citadel sees that with, with uh, Samford and with Western Carolina. Uh, you know, I'm not sure that, Campbell has seen a team other than the Citadel last season who is perfectly willing to snap the ball with one second left on the play clock over and over and over and over and over again. And next thing you know, the quarter's over. So it's a really intriguing matchup. Two teams that go about it uh, in, in different ways, but both want to play solid defense, be solid on the special teams, and give their squad a chance to win in the fourth quarter. It's going to be a hell of a game. Yep, it'll be a fun one, definitely. Uh, two different strategies on the offensive side of the ball, and the tempo uh, will be polar opposites, but whoever can establish that pace, like you mentioned, is most likely going to come out on top. Let's get your thoughts on the Camels as we wrap up and your predictions for the Camels this season as they enter into, the, as they are currently in their first season in the Coastal Athletic Association. Well, the CAA schedule makers certainly did not do the newcomers to the CAA any favors when it came to scheduling. You look at who Campbell has to play. You look at who North Carolina A&T has to play. And then you look at who William and Mary has to play in the league. Those, those things are not similar. Those schedules are not similar at all. So um, I think this year in the CAA for Campbell, if you can get to seven wins – that'll be a very successful season. It might put you in the playoffs, you know, depending upon some things. Um, and personally, I'd like to see it. I can remember um, Citadel baseball playing Campbell, you know, when, you know, in the nineties. And if you would have told anybody then that Campbell would be division one football program with a former NFL guy from the Panthers as the head coach and being in the CAA uh, in South Carolina, they say, well, they would have put you on Bull Street. Well, Bull Street's where the insane asylum used to be in Columbia. 
So, you know, and now look at you, you know, you are all of those things and it's, and it, and it, and it blows me away. So I'm a fan of what y'all have done. Just not going to be one this Saturday. Well, we'll take it. If we get it every other weekend outside of the one where we play each other, then that's fine by us. But I appreciate you hopping on. It should be a great matchup and Saturday on Saturday in Charleston. And for all the Campbell fans, it'll be a very unique experience for those traveling down to the Holy City. Kevin, thank you for jumping on. Tell everybody where they can find your work. Uh, wherever you get podcasts uh, and uh, FCS Station Radio uh, on Twitter, we're at FCS Nation Radio, the number one. And our website is fcsnationradio.com. Um, we're on a bunch of radio stations from coast to coast. Uh, we talk FCS football on a national scale, and people seem to like it. We've been pretty darn successful with it, and we'll bring you the best of the FCS every week. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for jumping on. Have a great week, and uh, good luck this weekend. I know you'll be watching from afar, uh, and safe travels when you come down uh, back this way to see some Citadel football this year. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate you. Pressure's a privilege, man. We want to run towards that pressure. We don't want to run from it. And we want to enjoy that and embrace it and, and, and fight through the struggle. With it.